But right now, let us celebrate by going to God's Word. And today is from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Paul writes, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Let us pray. And Jesus, we turn to you again. And we ask God the Spirit that you would be among us to open our ears and open our eyes and open our hearts and minds so that we will be transformed by your word, so that we will become the men and women of God that you have created us to be and that we long to be in our best moments. Fill our hearts, fill our minds to overflowing so that we will be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Almost 23 years ago, I was struggling in my third year of German at the University of California, Riverside. I walked into my professor's office to confess this weakness of mine and ask if there, she knew about anything where I can go and live for a year in Germany. To my surprise, she handed me the address of a family that had a four and a six-year-old that the family wanted to learn to speak English. So a letter of inquiry was sent. They called me back. At the end of that phone call, I had an invitation to go live in Germany, and thus a year abroad was set in motion. In other news, I had just met this drop-dead gorgeous brunette. We had only spoken a handful of times, but... We had spoken, and when I showed up at church and I told her my plans, she told me this later, she heard that and said, well, nice knowing you. A week or two later, right before I left, she gave me a book. At that moment, I knew I was going to make her my wife. Gorgeous woman, gives me a book, what more do you want, right? And we promised to write. Donna and I are the youngest people I know of to have an honest-to-goodness, real pen-pal relationship. You know, envelopes, stamps. Do you have any idea what it's like to wait for a letter from a beautiful girl on the other side of the planet? Anguish! torture. There were great expanses of time when I couldn't do anything but think about the girl and the next letter that she was going to write. Love will do that to you. Now, now just picture that emotion. Can you imagine anyone, can you imagine someone commanding you to have that kind of feeling towards them? That's absurd. 
command someone to love you, demand that someone occupy their minds with thoughts about you, oblige someone to long for and devote hours to reading and rereading their letters? Ah, but that is exactly what Jesus demands of each of us. And fortunately, his letters to us are in one convenient book. This morning, we're going to look at a passage that does exactly this. Command us, oblige us, demand that we spend hours thinking about Him. The big idea this morning is to think about everything you do in relation to Jesus. In our passage today, we're going to remove the mystery about what it means to pray without ceasing. We're going to see what it is we are to unceasingly pray for. And I want to demystify some key concepts by reminding us that Christianity is simple. Trusting Jesus is not complex. And, of course, it is not easy. We're going to get this as we read again in Colossians 1, 9-12. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now I want to preach this passage for a couple reasons more than the simple fact that it is God's Word and therefore useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I want to teach this passage because it is a great example of what I just said. Christianity is simple. Trusting Jesus is not complex. Though it is also impossible apart from the power of of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, I want to help you look at God's Word and I want you to gain confidence. I want you to gain courage that you are able to take from God's Word principles for you to walk worthy of the Lord every single day as you open God's Word in your morning quiet time. If you are willing and you are humble, God the Spirit will reach you as you read His Word so that you can be the man or woman God created you to be and that you long to be. And you will do this as you train yourself to think about everything you do in relation to Jesus. So let's go through this passage and see what it means for us. The first point is that we are to pray without ceasing. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And of course, this is where I get the big idea for today. Think about everything you do in relation to Jesus. Now, I am sure if you are a normal human being like 
I am, you have asked yourself the question, how do I pray without ceasing? Oh my goodness, what would it look like to pray without stopping ever? But before you panic and you start thinking that you have to go be a monk or you have to hang a prayer flag, let me relieve you of some mystery by asking you a question. How many times a day does your mind shift into neutral? You know, in your crazy, busy day, and you're driving down the freeway, or you're standing in the shower washing your hair, and your mind just isn't really preoccupied by something, you can't think of nothing. Your mind is going to drift to something. And that is what I mean by your mind shifting into neutral. It is also an example of what Paul is talking about when he talks about the flesh. The flesh in the New Testament is your tendency and mine to drift away from the Lord. Now, perhaps your flavor of drifting starts when you are desperately thinking about some new toy you want. Perhaps your drifting starts when you think about a situation or a circumstance that you long to be true for you. Maybe your flavor of drifting is about a relationship that either doesn't exist or you think should be better. And these longings, these desires consume you. And they occupy all of your mind in neutral time so that you never even think about the Lord. Paul's command to pray without ceasing is best understood as the opposite of walking in the flesh. The opposite of allowing your mind to drift into soul cancer because it pulls you away from the only source of life there is, Jesus and His Word. What I propose today is that you and I so consistently think about Jesus that when our guard is down, when our minds and hearts are shifting in neutral, that they already be so trained to go straight to Jesus and the things that are important to Him as given to us by His Holy Spirit and His Word, that we pray without ceasing. Our mind clicks out of gear. We're thinking about Jesus. And that takes training. That takes effort until you can train your mind to get there. To pray without ceasing is related to this idea of walking in the Spirit. It is occupying your thoughts and your affections with your Lord and the things that are important to Him. See? That's simple. Of course, it's not easy, is it? To pray without ceasing is to think about everything you do in relation to Jesus. And my friends, when you and I pull our mind away from the things that are vying for your attention, that are really not necessary, and many of which are just downright sinful, when you draw your thoughts to God, that is when you are communing with Him. You are intelligently, as one person to another, conversing with the King of Kings. 
And whatever definition you come up with of prayer that you come up with, if that definition is biblical, it will be no less than this. Now, of course, this is not all there is to pray without ceasing. Another aspect would be intercession. Praying for those whom we love. And Paul gives us a formula, gives us an idea of how to go about doing that. In verse 9, Paul prayed, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So instead of being filled by the things of the world, instead of allowing our minds to be filled with things that really don't matter, you know, like whatever movie star or pop singer is mad at another person and gossiping about that person, instead of allowing our minds to be filled up with soul cancer, Paul wants you and I to work so that all those unimportant things are ignored so that our minds can be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now we have the image of swimming upstream against the culture. In this, the image is our mind being a bucket. And you can allow that bucket of your mind to be filled with the mire and the vomit of the things that are really no good for us. Or we can allow our mind to be filled with the fresh spring of living water that will never fail you. Paul wants us to have this living water. He wants us to have this treasure of wisdom and life. My friends, to know God's will is simple. It is not complicated. Go to His Word and ask Him to meet you there and show you what He wants you to know. You know, you've heard the old saying, you want to hear God speaking to you? Read your Bible out loud. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Go and find it. He has told you in this book all that, he, that you need for life and godliness. You want to start winning against that sin that has been holding you back for decades? memorize, and then begin to live as if God's promises are true for you right where you're at. So where do we start? That's a great question. I am so glad you asked that question. Here's a place to start. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. How about Psalm 1, 1 and 2? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. How about Psalm 77, 12? I ponder all your works, and I meditate, I mull over in my mind your mighty deeds. Or how about this one for all of us who have three-year-olds in our house? My eyes are awake before the watches of the night. Come on, I need an amen there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank you. That I may meditate on your promises. Your little one wakes you up before the dawn. Think about the promises 
your God gives not only to you, but to that little chipmunk sleeping in the next room. My friends, nature abhors a vacuum. And so does your mind. You cannot think about nothing. If you won't intelligently, intentionally fill your mind with thoughts about God and His ways, then Satan, the world, and your flesh and mind will fill it full of garbage. Because empty hands and empty minds are the devil's toys. Trusting Jesus is not complex. Now I take it from these and other passages that meditating on God's Word, mulling it over in your mind, meditating on His works, thinking about what He has done and what He promises to do is a large part of what it means to pray without ceasing. I'm not saying that that's all of it. This, the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. There are other aspects, but start here and you will not go wrong. Start here and you will begin to think about everything you do in relation to Jesus. My friends, this is the single most important spiritual discipline there is. Your time in God's Word is the most important aspect of your walk with Jesus because everything else that you do, every other attitude you have is shaped and formed and modified and molded and filed down by the Holy Spirit through His Word. So, the next question is, what is it that Paul wants us to pray for if we are going to pray without ceasing. Paul wants us to pray that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Now this is the key phrase of our passage. Everything before points towards us walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And everything after is on that trajectory that comes from walking in the worthy of the Lord. Paul wants the Colossians and his Santa Marian and even his boondock South Dakotaan readers to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. The praying without ceasing and the meditating constantly on what God has done and what He has written results in or enables you and me to walk in a manner worthy of Him. So what does it mean? Well, let me tell you, in the last 2,000 years, people have driven themselves crazy and have come up with countless heresies trying to make up what they think it means to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fortunately for you and me, we don't have to go there. Because fortunately for you and me, Paul tells us exactly what he means by walking worthy of the Lord right here. In fact, let me just tell you, Paul almost always, and the Bible as a whole, in general, explains exactly what it means whenever it has a phrase that you might not get. Never read just one verse. Always read a few verses before it. Always read a few verses after it. And almost always, if you're praying with a humble, expectant mind and heart, 
The Bible will tell you, so you don't have to guess. And in this case, it's pretty simple. Paul gives us four very specific things to do if we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And the first one is bear fruit. Verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, the first thing to note here is that to bear fruit is to walk worthy of the Lord. And the New Testament is crystal clear that bearing fruit is what God does through us when we are faithful to Him. Bearing fruit is what God does through us when we are actively walking and running and doing what we do, trusting in His promises. Jesus makes this perfectly clear. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now let me say for a moment a little bit about how the Bible uses images. The Bible uses many images to describe the Christian life. In part because we are all different. And not only are we all different, but we're at different stages in our life and we're at different stages in what we think or how we think. And so the Bible uses these different images because different ones will catch you and me at different times of our lives. The Bible also uses different images because each image offers a different facet, a different angle to grab the brilliant light of the diamond of God's truth found in His Word. The Bible uses different images so that you and I can know God a little bit better. Because as we know God a little bit better, we will therefore love Him and trust Him more. Bearing fruit is what God does to us and for us and through us as we center our lives on Him. And when you are walking in the Spirit, you will naturally, well, I guess supernaturally, bear fruit. People will see you, a perfectly ordinary person with nothing really very special about us, saying, man, God is doing amazing things through that person and they will give glory to Him. Bearing fruit is what God does in us. And that is why we must not spend all our time chasing after the things that will at best make us happy for a short time. When what is offered to us, what is freely given to us, is joy in our hearts that is not far away, but is as close to our hearts and our minds. And that is fixing our eyes on what He values. Fixing our eyes on Him. Because that is where joy and blessing come from. Listen to what the psalmist says. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. 
Let me ask you a question. The last time your mind was spinning as you laid down about all the things of this world and the things that keep you away from your God, were you lying down in sleep? Did you have peace at those times? If you're at all like me, those are the times you're still awake at 2 a.m. wondering, Lord, help me sleep. Because our hearts and our minds are not centered on God and the things that He values. And if this is true about us, then it will be true that we think about everything we do in relation to Jesus. So if you bear fruit, you will also, the next step, increase in knowledge. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, has anybody in this room reached the age where you know that you knew something, but you don't know it anymore? Has anybody in this room reached the age where you have teenagers that remind you that you don't know everything you knew in the past? Yes. And one thing I remember is that if I am not continually learning, I am unlearning. And there is nowhere where this is more true than in relationships. I have a great friend from high school. I see him every couple of months on Facebook, and we're really close. That's kind of like saying, me and God, we're real tight. I show up at church on Sunday, I get my free cup of joe, and I sing a couple of songs that make me happy, and then I go about the rest of my week. We're like that. Doesn't work that way, does it? And every single one of us knows that that is true. But if we are not careful, that stream pushes us back and we just neglect our relationship with God just kind of out of inertia. And we forget what it takes to be close to God, what it takes to be close to our spouse, what it takes to be close to our children, what it takes to be close to our co-workers or our fellow church members. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards resolved as a young man. He said, resolved to study the Scripture so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Jonathan Edwards understood that if you are not growing in your knowledge of God, you are losing in your knowledge of God. We must swim upstream in this culture because everything pushes or pulls us away from knowing God. And for good reason. Because as you experience life in light of who God is, as you abide in Christ, as you walk in the Spirit, as you pray without ceasing, as you experience both the good and the bad, the elations and the tragedies, In other words, as you live your life understanding that God is who He says He is, you will know Him better. And as you know God better, you will therefore love Him and trust Him more. Satan must stop that at all costs. Therefore, no matter what the cost, you need to live thinking about everything you do in relation to Jesus. As you bear fruit, you will increase in the knowledge of God and you will be strengthened. 
Verse 11, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And may you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I'm curious, how many of you joined a gym this January? Okay. How many of you ever joined a gym in January? Okay, we got a couple. All right. For those of you who work out on a regular basis, I have a question. How do you be strengthened? You don't. You got to work. No pain, no gain. If you're not sweating, you're not strengthening your body. No one is going to make you be strengthened no matter how many gym memberships you own. Y'all realize that, right? I mean, let's be honest. But here, this verb is passive. Because the only way you will be strong in the might of the Lord is for Him to do the strengthening in you. And here is a promise. God will do exactly that. God will strengthen you as you bear fruit. And you look back and you think, wow, God did that through me? God will strengthen you as you increase in your knowledge of Him. And because you know Him better, you'll think, wow, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to walk forward. You will be strengthened. And you will be strengthened because you know Him better and therefore love Him and trust Him more. A life lived in light of Christ will strengthen you no matter what the experience are, whether they're good or whether they're bad. If you want strong abs, you better do some sit-ups. You want strong shoulders, you better do some push-ups. You want a strong soul, you better trust Jesus. And you won't trust Jesus unless you are spending your time thinking about everything you do in relationship to Jesus. My friends, your Savior is the King of Kings. Your Savior is the Lord of Lords. And nothing on this earth happens apart from Him. Oh, but God, it's so easy to have our minds and our hearts, our eyes taken off of You. We see the waves and we begin to sink. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can't, we can't, Lord. Our our hearts are pulled away. And so, you must fight the fight of faith. And you must force your mind constantly to go to Jesus by going to His Word and hearing His promise. To thoughtfully consider, what would Jesus think about this? What would Jesus want me to do about that? What would I be thinking if I were thinking about the fact that He's standing right next to me while I'm doing this? Oh, that's convicting. Let's think about something else. When you begin to consider everything you do in relation to Jesus, you will be walking a walk worthy of the Lord. 
so far, all that has gone into what it makes you and me to walk a walk worthy of the Lord has been what the Lord does to us and for us and through us. And so Paul finally is going to give you something to do. What is it that we are to do? Give thanks. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So here's your task. Here's your big job. The one that you can't fail to do. Say thank you. Hasn't your mama been teaching you that since you were one years old? She was right. And listen to this simple and profound verse. Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? Translate that into our English. How do I pay God back for what He has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. When God fills your cup with blessings, when you're going through struggles and you sense His presence, when you're just going through the daily life and your life, your mind is in neutral, how do you pay God back for the manifold blessings that He has given you? You say thank you. And you ask for more. You do what my three-year-old... Remember, it takes a child to enter the kingdom of God. My three-year-old doesn't hesitate to say more if, if she's thinking or if I prompted her. More, please. That is how you pay God back. You demonstrate by asking Him for more blessings that you are dependent upon Him instead of the other thing that I hear a lot, I do it myself. Wow, you guys don't have toddlers? Help me out here. I need an amen on that. When you thank God, when you praise Jesus, you are demonstrating to your own heart and to the hearts of those around you that you recognize that all this ain't about you. You have nothing. You have nothing you did not receive from the Lord. You and I give glory to God by speaking well of Him so that others will have the opportunity to do the same thing. And we do this when we think about everything we do in relation to Jesus. All those letters from that cute brunette who lived on the other side of the world paid off. All those agonizing waits for the mail to come were worth it, not simply because of the glory of the chase, but because I caught her. Likewise, one day, neither I nor anyone else is going to stand up in front of you and say, Know the Lord! Because everyone within the sound of my voice on that day will know Him. And the wait will have been worth it. Because it wasn't just in the glory of the chase as we go through the valley of the shadow of death and the hound of heaven is marking after us the whole time. But He will have caught us. And we will be His. And when that happens, not one moment 
that you spent considering life, the universe, and everything in relationship to Jesus will have been wasted. Can you say that about the many things you've thought about already this morning? My friends, ask the Holy Spirit and go to His Word so that you may think about everything you do in relation to Him. Let us pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, we give glory to You. You are worthy of all of our praise because we have nothing that You did not give us. And Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, I pray that You would meet Your children now and You would cause us to go to Your Word so that we can hear what You have to say and be shaped to be the men and women of God You have created us to be. That we would be the men and women of God that we long to be by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, God the Son, I pray that You would open our hearts, that You would open our minds so that we will be able to think about all that we do in relation to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.